Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac. Thursday edition of the show. Welcome into the program. We are here for an hour. Dan McLaughlin with you. Lots to get to. Chris Wolf will be my guest. We'll talk about concussions, maybe what Patrick Mahomes is going through. Um, should be interesting. I'm looking forward to this visit. He's a local doctor. His specialty is dealing, one of the specialties is dealing with concussions from Blue Tail Medical Group, and he is one of the uh, uh, foremost authorities in this uh, area here in St. Louis, and he'll be my guest. But let's jump into the blues right away, and as always, uh, you can jump into the program at 65780. Uh, Shootout last night, the Sharks 2-1 over the Blues. The Blues, seven penalties, seven. Outshot 15-4 in the third period. The power play for the Blues, 0-5. So again, special teams rearing its ugly head for St. Louis. Braden Chen of the Blues. Yeah, it was it was a weird game. Uh, it just felt like, you know, um, some special teams and not much rhythm, uh, not much pace to it. But, you know, uh, like I said, we, we got to find a way to, to clean up a few things. Um, you know, be better and, uh, you know, just can't be satisfied with, with getting one point. We, we feel, uh, you know, we I don't think it was our best game tonight. And, and uh, we'll, uh, you know, look forward to a, a, a tough weekend against L.A. Now, what's going on here with these penalties? That's a real problem. A real problem. 22 on the year, second most in the league for Craig Berube and the St. Louis Blues. We got a lot of guys that aren't skating and not competing hard enough. That's it. Bingo. Some nights you're seeing it, some nights you're not. Craig Berube, let's just say he wasn't real happy after the game last night. Jordan Bennington, loved what I saw out of him last night. Uh, stopped 35 of 36, looked pretty good. So now the Blues are welcome the Kings to town this weekend. You can listen to the game on 101, see the game on uh, Fox Sports Midwest. Patrick Mahomes practiced in a limited capacity yesterday, took another step to clearing the concussion protocol in time for Sunday's AFC Championship game against the Buffalo Bills. So we're going to talk about concussions. And one of the guys that knows a lot about dealing with concussions as a player is a soccer player that we know quite well here in St. Louis. Matter of fact, it stopped his career, and that's Taylor Twellman. Mahomes in 2021 can't say he lacks education. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, Taylor Twellman, we actually can raise our hand and say, you know what? We didn't really know a ton about concussions. We knew what they were. We knew something was there, but we don't know what we know now. And so my money is also on Patrick Mahomes. He's an athlete. Here he is in 2021. He understands the magnitude of the game, but he also cannot raise his hand and say he doesn't understand the magnitude of concussions. And I'm going to have faith that Patrick Mahomes, through the out, through the entire concussion protocol, is going to be as honest as possible with the Chiefs. Guys, that's the only thing I can believe in. Because education is power. That's the one thing I wanted to change in 2008 when my career was completely taken away from me and there was no World Cups anymore, there was no going to Europe, whatever that may be, you've just got to be transparent. You've got to be honest. Athletes in 2021, they can't say they lack education. They do have the education, but then there's the drive to play in a championship game. 
And that's the problem. You know, if you're Mahomes, you're going to play. I mean, does anybody have any doubts that he's going to play this weekend? I don't. And I'm assuming if you're listening, you're saying, Dan, he's going to play. And I get it. Um, And I, I understand that. A lot is on the line from the perspective of winning. A lot is on the line for the organization. But listen to this from Brett Favre, who has dealt with a ton of injuries, but played through them time and again in his NFL career. I played 321 straight games. It, it, it kind of goes against everything that you know, I stood for when I played. But you got to be smart. You got to be smart. I was never faced with a decision that he potentially will face this week. And ultimately, the, the decision may fall on the doctors. And if they choose that he doesn't play, then it's the right move um, because of long-term damage. And when you're in the moment and you're young, you, you're bulletproof, man. But at, I'm, fi- I'm 51 years old and I wonder what tomorrow will bring uh, because of concussions more than anything. Interesting, isn't it, Tanner, when you hear that? Yeah, that's tough to this, you know, like he said, you know, you're in the moment, you're in the moment. And how often are you going to have a chance to play in an AFC championship game? That's right. In theory, you'd say, well, Mahomes is going to get that a lot. The Chiefs are loaded, but you never know. You never know. And do you have any doubts that Mahomes is playing this weekend? No, I have a feeling he's going to be there. And when he went out uh, on Sunday's game last Sunday, did you have any doubt he's going to play this Sunday if they won? I did originally. I did originally because he looked bad when he got up. I thought the hit, now I'll talk about this with Chris Wolf. I'm sure we'll get into it. You know, the the hit, initially when I saw it, I, I didn't think it was like one of those bone-crushing hits where you say, oh, man, that's a concussion. But as we found out, you can have a concussion from, you know, the, the slightest of hits. Um, brain injury happens. I'm not a doctor, but, I mean, we're, as we read and learn about these types of injuries, it can happen. Um, so I, anyway, it, it is kind of fascinating. And I think if you have kids in sports, uh, the uh, visit with Chris Wolf of Blue Tail Medical Group will be something of interest. Okay, Larry Scott's 11-year run as Pac-12 commissioner is due to end in June. And you're saying, well, why are you bringing this up? <laughs> I just, uh, I find this unbelievable. You know, we were talking about at the end uh, very quickly, you know, do you pay college athletes? So I'm going to put you on the spot, Tanner. I'm going to put anybody listening on the spot, okay? Because do I really care that Larry Scott is going to get uh, replaced as Pac-12 commissioner? No. Do I really care who's going to be the next Pac-12 commissioner? No. Does it affect my life? No. What do I find interesting is his time as uh, the commissioner. How much money he is going to make. Take a guess. I just want you to guess. This is interesting. Twelve million. Twelve million. Uh, I feel like that is either really, really low or that's really, really high. Okay. Between 2009 and 2019, Scott earned 36 million, according to tax records. And assuming he is paid out for the rest of his contract, he will have earned roughly 50 million as the Pac-12 commissioner. 50 million as a commissioner of the Pac-12. That's a pretty good deal. I was, hell I was of way deal. off. 50 million. Wow. Boy, I should try to become a commissioner. 50 million as the Pac-12 commissioner? And that's only over what? Not even is it 12 teams in the Pac-12? So 2009-2019, 50 million dollars. 
Now, he he tried to get going with the Pac-12 network, which could make the schools a lot of money. But the kids are the ones that are going to make you a lot of money. That's who's making you the money. Guys on the football field, basketball. But here's the problem. Do you see them playing for the national championship? No. Pac-12 and football got kind of under his reign there, kind of disappeared off that college football playoff map. Now, the conference distributed more than $32 million per school after the 2018-19 academic year, but its members still lag behind the Big Ten and the SEC, which partnered with Fox and ESPN. So they try to do their own network, and he's going to get paid $50 million to be the Pac-12 commissioner. Now, it gets even better with college sports. Jeremy Pruitt, you know, he was handing out money apparently in McDonald's bags. Well, I wouldn't mind money in a McDonald's bag. No, that's pretty good, too. Get a Big Mac and here's some uh, hundos. Better than the bonus fry. That's the... Uh, <laughs> well, you got supersized, didn't you, Dan? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'll take that in a supersize. <laughs> nice work. Um, so that's the former Tennessee coach. Um, Philip Fulmer, uh, who is the former Tennessee football coach, won a national title, but he was the acting AD. So he is going to step down. And for three years, he's got a, a pretty good deal going on, too. Now, take a guess at how much he's going to make per month. Oh, per month? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Surely it's not a million, right? I'll, I'll go... Per month. 600000 per month. $37,000 a month. Wow, that's a... That's a big difference. 37000 a month. So that's what that's one point so you start doing it's like four hundred and fifty thousand five hundred thousand something like that a year to do whatever show up at a few banquets say hey you remember that championship we had remember when i got peyton manning here that was great wasn't it yeah wow that's a pretty good deal too it's unbelievable boy i know what i you know what i'm getting out of radio and i'm gonna go try and be an ad and a board commissioner and i will be your agent we'll put you through the rest of schooling uh we'll get you whatever we need to do you'll Perfect. start start running a tv network and we'll get you paid 50 million great it sounds awesome. like a plan wow 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 more of what you want to hear scoops with danny mack in podcast form on 101 espn championship weekend in the nfl upcoming and kansas city their quarterback will be back and that is patrick mahomes now we saw him leave the game over the weekend because of a concussion but then he's got to go through the necessary protocols to return this weekend and play chris wolf is part of blue tail medical group he's board certified in brain injuries concussions and he ran the the program at one point for the university of missouri and chris uh really appreciate your time how are you and and thanks for shedding some light on this how are things going things are going great dan we appreciate having us uh, you having us on here um it's a topic that is very uh near and dear to my heart dealing with people with concussions for a long time and Big game coming up, so lots of interest in it. Absolutely. What did you think when you initially saw Mahomes go down or or you see these injuries in the NFL, but specifically with Patrick over the weekend, and you saw that he was dazed, you saw what was happening? What was just your, your initial reaction to what you saw? Well, my first reaction, just with my experience, was that he may very well may have a concussion. But you would watch the replays, and a lot of people would ask, well, it doesn't look like he hit his head. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of big forces when these big guys are colliding 
that you don't always have to have your head hit, but the way he was moving at first, it sure seemed like they were probably going to put him in his, the protocol and at least check him out from that perspective, which they did indeed do. But my second uh, thought was you see him running on the sidelines after. So he really, it looks like he had a momentary dazed and confused type of moment, but was already starting to recover pretty quickly right after that. You know, doctor, we hear the, the, the term protocol. So what, what are the protocols? What does somebody go through when they have that situation like Mahomes? We have uh, similar protocols in the community for high school athletes and college athletes. The professional, the NFL has a five-step type of protocol. And really, it just progresses through the steps, giving them more physical activity, building up and seeing if they have any symptoms. They have series of tests along the way to make sure that these guys are actually recovering. And I believe looking at where he's at in practice, it's believed that he's probably about three out of the five steps in, somewhere in there where he's starting to do some practice time. But it's just really trying to protect these guys' brain from long-term problems. And usually we can see it and provoke those symptoms with increased activity. So we just gradually build them back up and be able to get them back on the field. Is it something that you can measure or is it something that you just kind of like, well, we hope, you know, we're seeing how he reacts to certain things or is it something that you can truly measure? It's a little bit of both, Dan. There is a lot of uh, gray area in this, and that's why it's so difficult to, one, diagnose, and two, really make sure these guys are safe. So there are some measurements they can do, usually with their balance, and uh, they will, at the end of this, have an independent neurological consultation. So an independent neurologist that's not being paid by the team to evaluate them and look for those things you can actually measure but a lot of it has to do with how he's feeling as he's getting back on the field. I'm really curious when you're watching an NFL game, and Chris Wolf is my guest, doctor at Blue Tail Medical Group, board certified in brain injury and concussions. Um, I, well, let me just give you this. I, I did the NFL in terms of broadcasting many, many years, a lot of times being on the sidelines, and I always equated it to watching a car wreck every play, and I really felt that way. Every play was like watching a car wreck. I could not believe it. TV does not do it justice uh, when you watch the violent collisions. And I couldn't believe these guys were getting up. So when you're watching a game and from your perspective, what's it like for you to see this and to see how these guys are hitting and a lot of times leading with their head? They don't mean to. It's just kind of, you know, it just the play takes them that way or they lose balance or whatever the case may be. But what, what are you thinking when you're watching some of these games and how they're being played? It's absolutely amazing, isn't it, Dan, watching oh. these guys. They, uh, the forces that go into every single play could be less than if you were actually in a car wreck. Uh, they are just really large guys and uh, heavy collisions, and it is. It, it, I watch it, and I think they're always one step from that. Now, the helmet technology and the rules – the NFL, I believe, is trying to do the best they can to minimize that. But I believe that's why they are being more cautious with doing things like these protocols, erring on the side of caution, getting those guys out, where in the past that may not have happened as frequently. And now they're trying to overcompensate a little bit to make sure that these guys uh, don't have some of those long-term things. But I completely agree. Watching that, you're always 
watching to see who's going to be able to get up and who's not. Oh man. If you, if somebody said, Hey doc, explain to me what a concussion is. What, what's just a, to the average person out there, explain what a concussion is. It's really no different than any injury to your body, but this is an injury to your brain. And it's just a, you, you have these forces going into it. You can have severe bruising or anything like that, but really it's just a small disruption to the brain function itself. And our brain does everything from allows us to wiggle our little toe to our emotions. So there's an awful lot going on between the ears there. And so just to have it shaken up just a little bit can disrupt the entire system. And you obviously want your brain, your main computer controlling your body to be able to heal in a proper fashion without having another injury on top of it. So when somebody gets a concussion, are they more susceptible within a seven day period to have another one? Is that, is that fair to say that? To, to say they that, are, okay. they are. And that's uh, where the protocol comes in where we're with this, usually by the time they get back to their baseline, their risk is very low. And this is trying to assess that. Um, many of the guys who may make it through the protocol very, very fast may have never really truly had a concussion or had a very mild one. But yes, if they still have symptoms, they're, they're at an increased risk of having a second concussion. And that's why this is in place. If they're still feeling those effects of that, they're at a higher risk. But by the time they clear this type of protocol, their risk does start to drop somewhat. I'm curious, how many players do you think probably have concussions, but they don't even go to the doctor or realize that they've been dinged up and it is truly a concussion? I, I would bet that there's quite a few of those, Dan. Even when I would be lecturing around the country, I would ask people who had a concussion, raise your hand. And I would say, who actually went for treatment for that? And the majority of the hands go down. Even in the community, we a lot of times you just kind of try to walk it off even in your own life, especially at those high levels. So there are probably plenty that are still more in the mild category that are just undiagnosed. And when you have these, how many, uh, this is maybe a really tough question to answer, but how many can you sustain? I mean, can an athlete, once you get to three, is that like the cutoff or is it five or is it every individual, how much they can take, which is crazy to think. It, it's, I believe it's every individual and we've all uh, heard about the guys and even in our uh, St. Louis community, uh, some of our professional guys sure. who have been forced to retire sooner then their time might have come because of concussion along the way. And then you have other players who will state that they had 20, 30 of them in their career and they're doing just fine. So I, I think there is some variability there, but it's to me, I always think it's playing with fire when you're talking about your brain. You know, you, you might be okay, but you might get burned. Have you dug into CTE? And if so, what are your thoughts on it? I have, and I've uh, been involved in some of the information and looking at that quite a bit and it, it's it's a very complex issue uh, there are players out there who do experience that obviously very tragic but then again uh, it seems to be a small percentage and it kind of goes back to your last question of who who might get this who might have those long-term issues and there are plenty of players who have had just as many hits to their head who really have no problem moving forward and actually the overall lifespan of some of these players after they quit playing is still pretty good because they're athletes and strong but there's a small percentage that can end up with this 
CTE, that chronic traumatic encephalopathy that can have just very detrimental effects on their life. Well, you saw the movie, I'm assuming, and you've read the book. I did. Have you talked to the doctor that that basically founded CTE or at least found what CTE is? Yes, I have. I met him at a conference in the past and uh, talked to him. Very unique individual. But uh, this was one of those things that he was able to find it pathologically, which made uh, made it real. Um, it was, I believe it was one of those things that a lot of people would be aware of and know that could exist, but they weren't able to have that evidence. And he was able to provide some of the evidence for that. Chris, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. And again, Chris Wolf of Blue Tail Medical Group, board certified in brain injuries, concussions, taught down in Mizzou and, and has helped so many people here in St. Louis. Um, the average person out there that is not playing football, hockey, baseball, basketball, and is not dealing with concussions, but they have that fall, they have something that happens to them. How do they know if they have a concussion and, and what should they do? You know, most of the time, if you're not engaged in a lot of high risk activities, most of the time, just rest and uh, taking it easy will do the trick. But uh, most of the symptoms you're going to have, you hit your head and you feel a little dazed, confused, maybe some headaches, feeling tired. Those real minor symptoms usually will just go away on their own. Um, you really should seek medical treatment if you have a major fall, like you fall off your ladder taking your Christmas lights down and fall on the concrete. Well, you probably need to check that out in the hospital. So there can be some more severe uh, aspects to this, but for the most part, these will resolve. And uh, I usually say, be smart about it and live your life. I don't hide and make my kids wear helmets to school or anything. I mean, I let my kids <laughs> yeah. play hockey, you know, and it's, uh, you just got to live life. But uh, I wouldn't, if my kid had a concussion, I wouldn't let him play hockey, but he probably would still be able to go to school. So just uh, most of the time, these aren't to be feared. But if you're engaged in football or contact sports or auto racing, you probably need to take a little bit uh, more of a dose of caution. It's really interesting. Hey, I really appreciate that this shed some light on what's happening this weekend with Mahomes and with others in sports. Chris Wolf from uh, Blue Tail Medical Group, really appreciate your time and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks for doing this. Thanks a lot, Dan. You got it. That's Chris Wolf from Blue Tail Medical Group. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Blues last night, shootout, Sharks 2-1, penalties as... Tanner just mentioned a real problem for the Blues. Seven more penalties last night. 22 penalties on the year. Just looking this up. Second most behind Toronto in the entire league. Not good for Craig Berube. Yeah, PK killed off seven penalties. I mean, two five on threes. It's ridiculous, the penalties. But, you know, we, we can't go to the box that much. It's it's really hard on people. It's hard on our team. Can't get to our game because of it. I don't know where we're at in the league right now, penalty-wise. Might be leading the league. Well, you're second behind Toronto. Blues outshot 15-4 to in the third period. Jordan Bennington, he stopped 35 of 36. Yeah, it's just a 1-1 game and um, just compete and, uh, you know, our kill has, uh, hasn't been doing so well coming into this game, so we know we wanted to have a good penalty kill special team, so um, I think we had a good night in that department, but, uh, you know, not the outcome we wanted. 
Braden Shen knows things have got to clean up, and it's got to happen pretty soon. PK was definitely better. You know, I still think uh, that wasn't our, our, our best effort as a team, 5-on-5. Five five. I think we have a, a lot to clean up there. You know, Binner made some good saves. He was on his game tonight and, and uh, helped us get a point. So we, we know we uh, can, can be a little bit better, but uh, at the end of the day, it's it's tough winning uh, on uh, same team on, on back-to-backs and or, or playing the same team twice, and uh, I guess we, we grabbed a point and move forward. So we got back-to-backs coming up this weekend. Again, you can hear that game on 101 ESPN. See it on Fox Sports Midwest. The Kings will be in town. Let's bring in Alex Ferrario, our pregame, postgame host, intermissions as well. I think the bottom line is, as you watch this uh, Blues team thus far, special teams. It's got to get better, Alex. I, I feel like I'm a broken record, but a- again, after watching last night, the special teams for the Blues, it's got to get better. It does. I mean, frankly, the best part about this team this season in four games, Dan, has been the five-on-five play yeah. at even strength. Now, there is a little caveat there because last night in the third period, I think San Jose was better at five-on-five, and frankly, the numbers show it. I think the shots were, what, 13-4 to after that third period last night? Now, there were some penalties that were taken once again by the Blues, but overall, five-on-five play has been very strong for St. Louis, and frankly, their game has just been sloppy, and I think they know that. That's why Craig Berube came out afterwards and called out some of the players saying that, look, there's just guys that aren't skating right now. They're, they're not skating. They're taking penalties. If you go through and look at the penalties that were taken last night, Dan, you're getting a hooking call. You're getting a slashing call. You're getting a holding call. The delay of game. Okay, I don't care about that, but still, let's be a little smarter there. And then, of course, the too many men on the ice, which negated the power play. I mean, all of these factors are going into just unblues hockey, which will get tightened up. I, I do remind people that, that look, you're four games into a season where you had a week. Curbs and I were talking about it in the fourth period last night, Dan. Like, there's a sweet spot right now because guys will say four weeks is too long of training camp and preseason, but it seems a week isn't long enough. So maybe it's that two to three week sweet spot where you get some preseason action. I'm not making excuses, but I do believe that this was just kind of difficult. Some teams can adapt to it. Some teams can't. And right now the Blues just aren't adapting. Let's talk about Tory Krug a little bit. Not to say it's you're only four games in, but um, he hasn't been what we thought. You know, even yeah. on the power play, five on five penalty last night, it, it just hasn't worked so far through four games. Yeah, it hasn't. I mean, look, he's getting up into the offense. So, like, you brought him here because of his offensive no abilities. He's getting into the offense. Now, he's not scoring goals. He's not. You think he's got one assist on the season right now, although he was in the middle of that goal last night for the Blues that they scored. Here's the thing, though. You're putting a Krug in place of an Alex Petrangelo, and by no means has anybody sat here and said, well, he needs to be Alex Petrangelo. He can't be Alex Petrangelo. But you, you don't have that defensive-mindedness now. You don't have Jay Bomeister. If you go back a couple of years ago, you don't have Joel Edmondson. These were big, heavy guys that play strong defensively in their own zone, and the Blues just aren't having that right now. Tory Krug, maybe this is just a little bit of understanding new a new system because, again, he's played his entire career with the Boston Bruins, much like Justin Falk. That's what I'm saying. It's four games in. Yeah, it's going to take some time to get used to. And, again, you're playing with Colton Pareko. His teammate that he used to play with all the time was a Brandon Carlo or a Zidane Chara. And, damn, those are stay-at-home defensemen. I mean, it's kind of what Justin Falk has with Marco Scandella. Falk can jump up into play. Scandella likes to stay back. But when you're Krug, you and Pareko like to jump up into play. And on top of that, then you have to have forwards that are jumping up into your position. There's just a lot of cycling that I think it's going to take some learning. But 
Him getting out-muscled on that goal last night by San Jose is the part that does concern me about Tory Krug. I think that will get fixed. A lot of NHL analysts have said that he's very good in his own zone. He's underrated in that area. I think four games in, it's just uh, it's a sour taste right now, but I would imagine we're going to get used to it as we move forward. By the way, Petro, goal last night, and uh, Vegas off to a great start. If you're not paying attention to what's happening in this division, Petro and the uh, Knights are 4-0. Yeah, you got to pay attention to this team, Danny. I mean, I... Colorado, I know, scares a lot of people. Vegas scares me more right now. They're undefeated, as we mentioned. Now, they've just played the Arizona Coyotes, and if I'm not mistaken, they played the Anaheim Ducks to start the season. So it's not like they're beating Colorado. Oh, no, no, no. You said the Coyotes are the team to beat if you're a Blues fan. No, that's, that's I said, what you said the Coyotes are oh, a team yeah, to yeah, be yeah. afraid <laughs> of if you're a St. Louis Blues fan. But right now, Vegas is okay. the team. I mean, look, Petro scoring the goal is one thing, but the part that gets me they're playing with five defensemen, Dan. Yeah. Like they're not even using a sixth defenseman because they have so much offensive talent and they know that they can trust their defensemen. They got an Alex Petrangelo, an Alec Martinez, a Shea Theodore who scored two goals last night. This is not going to be an easy team to play against, and I think Vegas is going to be a lot tougher than what Colorado was when we've seen them already this I season. I love giving you trouble. You know I don't. That. I never understand that because I, I'm, I take it so personal, yes. and I'm so upset about it, Dan, yes. when you do that to me. I'm sorry. I take it all back. Do you? No, you don't. No. <laughs> um, I think this weekend is kind of a, a big weekend for the Blues, even though you're in, what, week one and a half yeah. and ten days in. <laughs> but it's back-to-back, and yep. I'm anticipating whoso gets a start this weekend. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Okay. It's just what game he plays. Uh, part of me wondered if they'd play him on Saturday because if you look at the schedule after Saturday, That's Sunday, they play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So in my mind, you're thinking, okay, well, then Bennington can go Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday and have those games. But Bennington's been playing outstanding. And if I'm the Blues, and Joey said this on the broadcast last night, if I'm the Blues and I have a goaltender that wants to be in the net, I get him in the net right now. I mean, because it's not like he's dealing with fatigue. He's been antsy to get into that. He's got something to prove. He's been incredible. I do play Huso this weekend, though, but I'm starting to kind of alter my thought. I think I might play Bennington on Saturday. I Yeah, play Bennington Saturday, put Huso in on Sunday, and see what he has in that second of back-to-back because I just don't want to get a cold streak of Bennington right now. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, if you lose that first one, then you go with Huso, and he makes his first start. I, I almost feel better... Flipping it. Having Huso go. But yeah. then you got a two-game losing streak if you have Huso start on Saturday and right. he struggles. And look, the one thing you have to avoid right now, Dan, if you're the Blues, is losing streaks. Yep. And I think everyone's feeling that same and way. Like four-point you know, four swings in these games, too. I mean, yeah. And if you lose two games in a series, that's an eight-point swing. Right. I mean, you've already put yourself now with the loss to the San Jose Sharks. You've put yourself three points behind the Vegas Golden Knights. I think they sit at eight points right now, and the Blues have five points. If you do two back-to-back losses Saturday, Sunday, which I'm not saying that's going to happen, I'm just looking at it hypothetically, and Vegas picks up two more wins, I mean, now you're talking about a seven, eight-point swing. I mean, that's not an easy hole to dig out of in a division where you're playing every other day. So 
on one hand, I can see either option and they're going to put Huso in one or the other. They're not going to let Bennington go back to back. But I mean, pick your poison right now. If you want to make sure you let Huso go Saturday and then Bennington, frankly, I don't think either matters. It's hard to evaluate a goaltender if your defense is allowing 34 shots on goal. And here's on the flip side. At some point, you got to find out about him. Oh, yeah. So he's going to play. I was saying this on the crossover. I was saying in 30 games this year may not be that we'll, we'll find out, but maybe 34, uh, maybe, um, I, I let me rephrase that. It could be thirty points out there. Thirty 15 points, yeah, fifteen games, games. and it could be seventeen, and then thirty-four mm-hmm. points out there. You don't know. Um, maybe Bennington, like you said, maybe they ride him. Maybe mm-hmm. they say, "Hey, we're just going to ride you out." Yeah, it could be Grant Fuhr-esque again, all over again. I'm not going to say he's going to play every game. Did you just compare him to Grant Fuhr, Dan? I did not. Okay. I said it could be a season like that, but <laughs> uh, you're not going to play him every game. But maybe you play him more than we anticipate. Is my point? I think that's very true. Look, I. I kind of went into this season thinking a 16 game would be a sweet spot for Ville Husso. And look, I have no inkling on this. The, the coaching staff hasn't put together a schedule. They're kind of letting the season play itself out. And I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, you feel I do it too. Out. Normal 82 game schedule, you put together a, a schedule for the goaltender of how it's going to work. But this one, I do think you let your goaltender play for how he's feeling. And if you see that he's getting fatigued, then you kind of yeah. sit him. But if he says he wants to go, I let him go. So, I mean, you only have, I think, three sets of back-to-backs this season and if I'm not mistaken two of them are in the next two weeks you got this weekend and next weekend so you don't have an awful lot of back-to-backs now you do have games towards the end of the season where there's three and four days where there's our three and five days my mistake to where you're going to have a lot of games in a short amount of time you're going to see who so a lot towards the the end of the season but I think I want to have an idea of what he's going to be throughout this entire season because I don't want to get into March and April and say, okay, we need Huso, and he's played two games up to that point. Programming-wise, uh, what do we got for Blues hockey this weekend? So we have pregame both Saturday and Sunday starting at 6 o'clock, uh, and that will lead us up to puck drop at 7 o'clock. So we have 7 o'clock puck drops out at Enterprise Center against the Kings. So early starts on Saturday, Sunday, which are uh, a good thing for us all. Awesome stuff. Thanks. Thanks, Danny Mack. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. Alex, BK, they're coming up next. Then they'll take you to the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. BK, always good to see you, my man. How are things going this morning? I'm fantastic, Dan. There's some real movement in baseball right now. How what are you, you doing? I'm doing great. What do you got? So I, did I miss it? So there was the report earlier today that apparently the uh, Atlanta Braves are interested in JT Real Muto. Okay. Uh, we got the Jason Castro news. He is going to the Astros. Saw that. Looks like the catching market is well, starting to develop a little bit, which is relatively significant here in St. Louis, I would imagine. I always felt, I don't know if you agree, that once the domino of Real Muto fell, that that, that then would basically kind of set the market a little bit for Molina. Not in terms of years or money, but for teams saying, okay, Real Muto was on our radar. Um, he's gone to Team X and plan A, B, and C, and D is here. And Molina was in our plans. And so now we have a better understanding of what other teams may do. And if it doesn't work out, it falls back to the Cardinals or the Cardinals are going to be his choice. So I do think we get maybe more clarity on this situation here very shortly. And and let's face it. I mean, we are less than a month away now. It is January 21st. The Cardinals will report February 17th, I believe, to camp. 
Their first game is in late February, so you got to have your roster not necessarily set, but you'd like to have some positions set, and that would be one of them. Dan, I'm house hunting right now. So to kind of compare the two, these teams are basically like they found their perfect house. Everything that they want, all of their wants list, all of their needs, they're all checked off with JT Realmuto. It's a little out of their price range, but they're willing to extend if necessary. Are you right? extending with your house? I am hoping not to, but given the market <laughs> right now, we shall see. I got um, you. They're extending maybe a little beyond their means, but they know that this guy is going to be worth it. This is the forever home, right? That's JT Realmuto. Yep. Once that's gone, once somebody else extends to a place that they're no longer willing to go, now you come back to reality a little bit. Yep. You got to reassess. And now you look back at the open market and find out, okay, well, there was this other house out there, Yadier Molina, who might not check all of our wants, but he definitely checks all of our needs. And maybe it's not our forever home, but we'll live there for a few years and yep. we'll feel pretty good about it. And we McCann feel comfortable. was one of those. Castro was one of those guys. All and those guys Yadier fall on Molina that. could be that guy. If the Braves are interested in JT Realmuto, I'm really I'm going to be curious to see if that also is there for Yadier Molina. Because Real Muto brings different things to the table, certainly. He's the hitter that they are kind of missing with uh, with Ozuna potentially leaving there. Yadi's not that. But if they're looking for a defensive guy, maybe that's something that they could look at. But if the Phillies end up m- missing out on Real Muto, now they need a catcher. And that's where Yadi potentially could become an interesting option. You mean we haven't figured out if there's a DH? Still don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't understand, Dan. What what's going on? What is baseball doing? I, I don't I don't get it. I mean, it's kind of like you go to a restaurant and here's all your items on one side of the when we went to restaurants and here's <laughs> on one side of the uh, the menu and here's the other side and you could say, well, I want this. Well, now it's it's everything's negotiated, every single thing. And by all accounts and people I talk to, everybody is basically saying we want the DH. Everybody. Even the Cardinals at the winter warm-up, I, yeah. you asked everybody that you could, basically, hey, you know, what, what's kind of the deal here? What are you yes. thinking? Are you okay with this? And most of the guys that you spoke with from the comments that I heard said something to the effect of, listen, it's not our favorite. It's not ideal. But it's coming. But we know that it's going to be here in the future. And frankly, for the Cardinals, it would be good this Absolutely. year if they, they could need have offense. it. And so, yeah, we're ready for it. We're prepared for it. And we just need to know now whether or not we're going to have it. Right. And it's now late January. I was told January would be the new December, and normally things get done in November or December, much less in January for baseball. So it's starting to move a little bit, and I think that's a good sign for baseball, but we'll wait and see. What's coming up on the show? Looking forward to it today. We've got Steve Weish of NFL Network coming up at 11.15. Want to ask him about all of this Deshaun Watson news. We'll get into that with him. What would it take for another team to acquire him? I saw somebody yesterday, Albert Breer, who I think is pretty good at his job, said that the closest comp that he could come up with for Deshaun Watson is the Jay Cutler trade. Those aren't comparable at all in any way, shape, or form. Cutler was never the type of player that Watson is. So I want to talk about that with Steve Weish coming up at 11.15, Joey Vitale at 1230, and Donnie Fandango is going to stop by coming up at 1.30. He's a Bills fan, a Chiefs fan. We'll talk about that a little bit coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. All right, looking forward to it. Uh, Tanner? Great job, as always. You were sensational. Don't listen to what these guys are going to say to you when we go off the air because they're sometimes not very nice, okay? You did a you did a hell of a job. Well, thank you. No problem. This is 101. No, be quiet back there. This is 101 ESPN. You've been listening to Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast powered by I Promise.